Amen. We're getting ready now to finish up our last message on the book of Daniel. I want you to go ahead, if you would turn with me to Daniel chapter 9 and to Matthew chapter 24. I want to say to the men, uh, forgot to bring this uh, next Saturday morning. There's going to be a men's breakfast. And if you would like to be a part of that, it's at 7 o'clock. Would love for you to be a part of that. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I want you to be praying for me. Uh, I hope my voice stays with you, man. I was preaching in the first service. I mean, I was cracking and I was up at five minutes to four, <laughs> woke up and both pastor and I, we were, I think we woke up literally the same time this morning. And uh, so I know the Lord has something for us here today. And uh, I'm excited about what God wants to speak to us here. We're going to be looking at eschatology, which means the study of the end times in the book of Daniel. Uh, I also want to just uh, a quick shout out to one of my favorite people in all the earth. And I have one sister, five, four brothers and one sister. My sister, Teresa, is here this morning. Surprise visit with her wonderful husband, Ken, that's here today. And uh, you can welcome them after the service. And uh, we got kind of saved around the same time. And uh, she's a wonderful, lo- wonderful person, Lord. And I love her and I uh, thank God for her. Glad she is here today. Every time she comes in for a surprise visit, I've got someone else speaking and uh but today I'm preaching, sister. So uh, anyways, uh, hey, and I'm excited about next week. Uh, we got, uh, guys, don't miss next week. We've been, uh, in fact, we this summer, it's been kind of really hev- heavy. Uh, ben, just, we, we, we talked about noble character, uh, which is the key to true success. We, we talked about character qualities and uh, spent a, a, a couple of months on that. And then we've, uh, Pastor Rob brought us a, a heavy-duty message. I was on the vacation uh, during that week. I got a chance to listen to it. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, uh, it was the very first message that was preached in the month of of this month of August. I so encourage you guys to hear it. I mean, he set the table for me to go ahead and preach on the book of Daniel. Awesome message. Uh, uh, listen to Pastor Chris's uh, message that when he preached on the character of thankfulness, gratitude. These are some things that just were good reminders and uh, so grateful for that. But today we're going to be looking at uh, the, the study of the end times. And for those who weren't with us, your guests and visitors here today, and, and you're new with us today, we've been going through the book of Daniel. It's an interesting book. There's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And basically what happened is it's a group of about 10,000 to 14,000 Jews who were deported, went into exile from Jerusalem into the nation of Babylon under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. God had been warning the Jews and the people, these were religious people, but many of them, even though they were religious, they still prayed to God. They were praying to other gods and and they were worshiping other idols. And God was sending the prophets to them uh, for decades and warning them to repent uh, of, their, of their sin and their idols and their wickedness. And, and God says, if you don't bring this uh, and bring repentance, I'm going to be pouring out wrath and judgment. And, and that time finally came when the cup was finally filled up. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's army invaded Israel and, and absolutely crushed uh, the country. Uh, many people were killed. The the walls were destroyed. The temple where they worshipped at it was it was absolutely pulverized. And 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 he brought there up to up to Israel. He brought the the best and the brightest, the smartest people, the best looking people. And and one of the people that that made it up there was was Daniel and also his friends, uh, three others who were famously known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it was these men uh, uh, who, were, who had heeded the warnings of the prophets. These were young guys, young, very young men who really loved God. And they were, they were in a culture. They were in a new area of, of something that was against God, a number of different gods, a number of different idols. And they wanted to remain true to God. They wanted to love God. They said, we don't want to compromise. And this is an awesome story of and an awesome book of how do you shine? How do you make it when when you're surrounded by people? When you're surrounded by hostile people who really don't necessarily like you, and and it's ungodly. 
How do you live godly in an ungodly culture? How do you survive and how do you thrive? And folks, that's the question of the day. In in fact, uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 24 to those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And I would say probably the majority of people here in this room are followers of Christ. Now, I want you to hear this word, uh, Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus devotes a whole chapter on, on the end times. And, uh, and in fact, we're living in the end times. And I want you to hear what he says to his followers. This is to you and me and to the people that he was saying back then to his disciples. Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated, okay, all over the world because you are my followers. My question is to you right now, right out of the black, do you still want to follow Jesus? That's the question of the day. I mean, we get to heaven freely because of what Christ did for us on that cross, doesn't matter, you know, Catholic, Protestant, whatever. We don't get into heaven based upon our, uh, our label. We get into heaven based upon what Christ did for us on the cross. We put our faith in him and his finished work right there. We're, there's nothing that we can do. We, we can't be good enough to get ourselves into heaven, okay? But when we put our faith in him, we, we repent of our sins, turn from our wickedness, and we turn to Christ and we say, Lord, I, I, I love you. I, I'm trusting you to take away my sin. I, I give you my life. I mean, we're clean. I mean, the slate is clean. I mean, we're accepted uh, by the Father. We, we, we get to make it. But then Jesus said, by the way, now, if you want to follow me, there's a cost. And, uh, and many of you really have not read the Bible enough or really heard about there's a cost to following Jesus. And, uh, and it could come down to really actually losing your life. Uh, many of you, uh, uh, how many received the email that I sent to you Thursday, okay? I send out very few emails. And something that has really been on my heart is for my brothers and sisters in Iraq right now. You, many, listen, we're not hearing it about in news. I mean, uh, a very re- reliable source, uh, Rick Joyner from Morningstar Ministry, a huge church that's doing an outreach. It's ministering to brothers and sisters. We, we are seeing, the, our, our, they're living this. They're living in the midst of horror, uh, of, of persecution. There are little, listen, there are little girls that are losing their life right now that are getting their head chopped off. Why? Because they love Jesus. There are, there are people in, 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 right now, this is major ISIS. It's in a very evil, very, very evil group uh, of Muslims uh, who just, they hate Jews. They hate Christians. I mean, they're, rad- they're, they're demonized and, uh, and it behooves us. In fact, uh, write this down, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to do this right now. I felt the Holy Spirit told me when I was back in the sound booth and I was just wor- worshiping. We are to be praying for those that are right now that are under arrest, okay, and, and, and face some persecution. I'm going to ask you to join me right now. We're going to take a moment. There, there, there are so many that are just, they're running for their lives. All they have is the clothes on their back. Families are just trying to make it. And, uh, they're trying to force these people, you know, you know, worship and bow down to, you know, to Muhammad, Allah, whatever. And they're saying, no, some have uh, the majority of, but have hung in there uh, for Jesus. And I, I, I want to say thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. But, but God calls us to pray. Let's do that right now. We're going to get into the message. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, I'm asking on behalf of Lord, not only my brothers and sisters in Iraq, Lord, but in Afghanistan, China, Lord, and elsewhere, God, throughout, Lord, the, the nations, Lord, and countries, God, who are facing, Lord, uh, severe, Lord, persecution, Lord, some to the point, Lord, God, where they're being threatened, Lord, with their life. We ask, God, that, that Lord, that you would be with them. Holy Spirit, come to them, that, Lord, that they would not give up. They would not renounce their faith, Lord, that, that, Lord, that you will give them the strength, Lord. And if that means losing their life, Lord, give them the courage, Lord, to hate in there, we ask in Jesus' name. But we also pray, Lord, for miraculous intervention, Lord. We also ask, Lord, that you would move, God, that we would pray for miracles, escapes, Lord, like Peter did, Lord, from, 
from prison, Lord. We pray for a supernatural provision, Lord God, for those, Lord, who are hungry and thirsty, Lord, and tired. We pray, God, that you would come and rescue them and help them, Lord. And, and we pray, God, that your name will ultimately be glorified, Lord, and people, Lord, would see that you are God and, Lord, those who are persecuting them. God, we even pray for them. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, like you revealed yourself to Paul, Lord, who was wicked. Lord, who was even religious and persecuting the Christians. Father, may they have a revelation of who you are. And God, may you grant them repentance as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how do you live godly in an ungodly, hostile culture? You need to know how to live in darkness, opposition, persecution. And folks, I think, make no mistake about it, we are living, it, it, we have seen a rapid uh, decrease in, in our values, in our culture, absolutely, uh, from where our nation was, uh, how it was founded on, on Judeo-Christian values, God's word, I mean, Again, in the news, listen, I talked about it last week. Uh, a, a girl uh, last week uh, received an in-school suspension because one of her fellow students sneezed. And what do you and I usually do when someone sneezes? It's just kind of automatic. You know, bless you. And, and, the, and the teacher heard that girl, I mean, said, you know, bless you. And, and to the, the, the teacher says, no, uh-uh-uh, no God talking here. And she says, respectfully, she says, it's my constitutional right to go ahead and no, 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 we have no the separation of church and state. We have no God talking. And, and, and he says, you, you go down to the principal's office. Well, she got sent down to the principal's office. She received an in-school suspension for saying, bless you. Okay, this is, make, this, this is, make no mistake about it. It happened again this week to another person saying, bless you talked about last week, a bank teller for, for decades, I mean, uh, you know, would tell the customers as they were wrapping it up, their transaction, hey, have a blessed day. Uh, the, the brass, the leadership say, we don't want to, we don't want you saying that anymore. Uh, but that's part of who she was, and she wanted to be a blessing, and, and, and she did it, and she ended up losing her job. And folks, we live in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile to Christianity and to the God that you and I love. And I felt very strongly back in the month of June that that in the midst of the the culture that we're going, the shift that we are in right now, that I got to get you guys ready. I got to get myself ready. I got to get my family ready because, folks, uh, when you look at the Bible, uh, it doesn't get better in the last days. Yes, there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be many souls that are going to be one. I'm going to talk about that here at the end of my message, but it's not going to get better. And the question is, will you and I be able to make it to the end? I want to take you through three things that I talked about over the last three weeks. These were the titles of my messages. And I, I would encourage you to go ahead and listen to these online. The decision. You and I need to make a decision that, that you know, if something comes down the road, I'm asked to compromise. You may have a boss that says, listen, this is what I want you to do. Uh, you may be a bookkeeper or you may be a salesperson. They may ask you to compromise, you know, uh, your values and uh, your integrity to fib and to lie. And if you don't do it, you may lose your job. And, and the question is, will you hang in there? Daniel made a decision that when he went into this nation here in Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He recognized that royal food was defiled. It was unclean. He says, I can't have this. He made a decision. I'm, respectfully, he says, I can't do this. And then we talked about the deliverance. An awesome story there in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel uh, receives this this revelation to a dream, and there was, there was, they were threatened, the Jews, the wise men, and that if they weren't able to interpret the dream, that they would all lose their lives. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, it says, here's, this is Daniel speaking, he says, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. 
Here's one of the things that we're, if we're going to make in, a, in the last days, we've got to make a decision. We're declaring, you know what? I am not going to defile myself. But in this story, there were two things that were, that it was the saving of many lives. One was a, a deep prayer life, and it was connected to other people. Daniel, as well as he got other people involved in this situation, it was life or death. He says, guys, you have got to pray. And they prayed, and as a result of that, the supernatural happened. And I wanted to say, if, you, if you're going to make it in these last days, you've got to have a deep prayer life, and you have to, you have to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God wants it to be very active in your life. And then last week, we looked at the test. In Daniel chapter 3 and in Daniel chapter 6, we looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel's friends, they were told that if they didn't worship the statue, okay, that they would lose their lives and they would be thrown into the furnace. But they respectively said there in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, your majesty, speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, may, you may be sure that we will not worship your God. We will not bow down to the gold statue that you have set up. They made a decision. They were tested. Their faith was tested. We're not bowing down. Daniel said here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it was a little bit of different uh, uh, injunction that was made. They were not allowed to pray to any other God but to, to, but to King Cyrus. And it says here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He heard about this. this was, people were going to lose their lives over it. He was going to lose his life. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He didn't close them. He opens them. And it says he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The message last week was this. If you're going to make it in the last days, you've got to be a worshiper of God's. The, la the, la the, the last message, the last scripture that I read there at the end of the message last week, Jesus said to the Father, listen to this. He says, the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking people who will be genuine. They won't just be Sunday morning worshipers, but they'll be worshiping throughout the week, throughout the day. Daniel was a man of prayer three times a day. It was his habit. It was a part of his DNA. It was a part of who he was. And because of that, it brought about great deliverance. And the question is, how are you and I going to make it in these end times? And, and by the way, this is the, the title of this message. How will all of this end? Folks, it is coming to an end. And the question is, are you and I ready for it? In Daniel chapter 6, Dan chapter 7 through 12, okay, these are, are prophecies that were made here. You will see, if you read it at all, there, there's visions, there's dreams, there's images of wild beasts, crazy things, dates, times, weeks. Many of these things that these, these visions and these dreams that Daniel had, and they were concerning the future. He was so troubled by them. In fact, he was confused at times. Uh, uh, in fact, he even literally felt sick. I mean, it really wrecked him, really messed him up. And, and, and in fact, at times, he didn't understand what was going on. And uh, he very confused. But I want you to write down this thought right here. As you and I are planning for the future, getting ready for the future, when you read these chapters, God has a plan for the future. Make no mistake about it. One of the doctrines that we talked about was the doctrine of God's sovereignty. That means that God is in control. Even though it looks like things are spinning out of control, God, right now, in the year 2014, is very much in control. Listen to this scripture, what Daniel said in verse 21 of chapter 2. It says, He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. Well, we've, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? We vote people, and yeah, but God's, God has his hands somehow in that. I don't understand all of it. And, and, and for those that are here and, and who are very concerned about America and the direction that we're going, and you see the leadership that is over us uh, in a government sense from congressmen, senators, okay, presidents, governors, okay, and all those, he said, listen, this is the word. Don't, don't worry about those guys. Here's what we're to be doing for them. 
We're, we're to be lifting them up on a regular basis in prayer. God, I, I, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to go ahead and push their agenda. Much of it is anti-God, is, is anti-word. It's not what our country was founded on. But God has called you and I to be praying in the process. So what's important? Here's what we're going to see. God has a plan for the future. But what you're going to notice here this morning, are you there in Matthew chapter 24? How many of you say, I'm there with you, Pastor. You got your Bible, Matthew 24. Jesus himself, our Savior, the one that died on the cross, validates the book of Daniel. He recognizes that Daniel had prophetic dreams and visions and prophecies. And there were many prophecies that were fulfilled, but there are a few yet to be fulfilled. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. This is a, this is a long discourse the whole chapter on the end times. Listen what he says here in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Let me say that's a legitimate question. Let me, okay, if you had Jesus around you, and you saw all the miracles and signs and wonders, you had revelation that he was the Son of God, I probably would have been asking the same question. Okay, now here's, here, here's it's a, just a natural inclination. We all want to know, hey, what's, what's, what, when, when's going to be the time when you come back again? We know that you're leaving, okay, but when are you coming back? And I want you to write this down, okay? No one knows. Okay, there's been many people through the centuries who have been date setters and said, this is when Jesus is going to come back again. Okay, and have made themselves look like fools. If you're hearing and you're listening to anything on prophecy, end time stuff, and they're starting to set dates, turn it off, burn the book up. Okay, it's it just it's not worth don't don't spend your mental energy and getting involved in, in, in dates. But we are, but Jesus does give us a clue. Instead of going for the, in fact, Jesus doesn't even know the time. Father's going to say, okay, go get them. Okay? And, and, and now's the time. So, I mean, I mean, he makes that even very clear. But he says, but there are going to be some signs. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives a, a long list of some signs of uh, what's going to be happening in the end time. Let's look at a couple and how this couple is going to dovetail right into the book of Daniel. There in verse 12, Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, listen, to this is one of the scariest verses, and I'm praying this one for you and I, okay? Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus is talking about that he said people had a love, it wasn't about religion, it was about a love relationship with God. And he says, because there's this blossoming, there's this an explosion of evil and moral depravity that's going on, he says, many of those who have loved me are going to bite the dust. Their, their love will grow cold. If you walk through, if you're here, if you're with us for the first time and you were there in the hallway, our mission statement is this, together to extravagantly love Jesus, okay? Together to selflessly love people. To extravagantly love Jesus is just basically a fancy way of saying the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, your, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And my prayer for you, and my prayer for me, for my kids and my wife, for all of us here in this room, may our love for you, Jesus, never die. May it be white hot. The Bible says never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. God wants our hearts to be compassionate and loving on him. So he says, because of the increase of wickedness, we're seeing that in America. And apathy towards God and towards his ways. And then, and then I want you to see the next statement. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I want you to underline that word nations. Nations 
in the Greek is ethros, E-T-H-R-O-S. Write that down. That means literally people groups. People groups, uh, not necessarily nations, but, but people groups. And there are roughly over 2,000 people groups. And every ethnic group right now is being reached for Jesus. Okay? Via, I mean, through, through TV, the computer. I mean, I mean it, it, is, it is awesome what is happening right now. And then Jesus quotes Daniel. Okay? It's a very important. In fact, this event, what Jesus is going to talk about right here, it's mentioned three times in the book of Daniel. It says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Now that word desolation, that's a key word. Underline that in the Bible. Some of you are wondering, what does desolation mean? Okay, It happens Okay, in, what, write this down, called the tribulation. The Bible talks about there's a time, there's a period in history that lasts seven years. It's called the Great Tribulation. In the middle of the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist, this powerful figure, very uh, smart, savvy, very alluring, okay, uh, is going to make a, a peace deal with the nation of Israel and uh, promising them peace, okay? And then he's going to break that uh, that peace deal, and then he's going to go ahead and set up his image, okay, right there in the temple to go ahead and to be worshipped, okay? And he says, okay, so he's validating what, what Daniel has prophesied. And then Jesus says, let the reader understand. Now, if you've read 7 through 12, Okay, and I know some of you did for the first time. You're reading it, you're going, oh my gosh, this is really hard to understand. Okay, you read Daniel. In fact, scholars are saying that Daniel chapter 7 through 12, as well as the book of Revelation, are some of the hardest books in the Bible to understand. So what I want to do today, okay, we're going we're gonna to kind of just take a, a part of chapter 9 in, in, in Daniel chapter 9, and which is basically a summary of the vision and the statements, okay, that, that, that happened. And we're going to take a look at that. And we're going to also going to take a look here at, at Revelation. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, just going to, I want to do you a favor for those who haven't studied eschatology. Eschatology means the study of the end times. I want to just kind of simplify it. I want to reduce it down, just kind of put it in some review. Some of you have never heard some of this stuff. What does the Bible have to say? So it's going to get a little bit technical and teachy, okay? And if you get lost and you're going, I don't understand, Pastor Mike, you know, don't worry. We're going to get you catch up, catch up later on. So here it is. <clears throat> Daniel, book of Daniel, chapter 9, he's going to summarize all of the visions. And the way he explained it, it was called the 77. Say that with me, 77, okay? Okay, Daniel... Chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to read it to the end of the chapter. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And the, people, uh, and the people of the ruler will come and will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And then the end will come like a flood. Man, when the end comes, there'll be no stopping it. It's just like when a flood comes, you can't stop it. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven in the middle 
of the seven, and he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Here, Jesus is quoting him until the end that is decreed and is poured out on him. Okay? Now, here it is if you want to write down some, some notes. These prophecies, these visions, okay, span 490 years. The prophecies that Daniel is speaking about, okay, not only did they take place over a long period of time, but most of these prophecies have already been fulfilled, okay? He saw, he saw the temple, he saw Jerusalem, okay, uh, be, it being ransacked, okay, and, and he saw it being rebuilt and restored, in fact, when you read the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra, okay, the Bible in the Old Testament is not necessarily in chronological order. If you were to put it in chronological order, you would put the book of Nehemiah and Ezra at the end of the Old Testament, and it talks about the rebuilding of the walls and, and the temple. Then I want you to underline the anointed one. Who is that? That's talking about Jesus, okay? Talking about the Messiah. And then he goes into... The sevens, okay? Seven sevens. Okay, seven times seven is what? Everybody know their math? 49, okay? 49 years. Then he talks about 62 sevens. And the question is, how long did it take to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple? Guess how long it was? Seven times seven, 49 years. So here's, this happened, okay? He sees, he sees this event, and then it happens, then go, go with me down to verse 26. Okay, after he says, after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And the, people, and the people of the ruler will come to destroy the city and the sanctuary, okay? 62 sevens, okay? 62 times seven equals 434. Is that right for those who are in math? Let me say, okay, did I do my math right? Okay, I'm not very good at math, but I did learn multiplication, okay? Now, 62 times 7 equals 434 years. Listen to this. After this decree, okay, this decree was put out exactly to the date when Jesus gave his life on the cross. One of the reasons why I believe in the Bible, Okay. Now, this, this prophecy, the book of Daniel, came way before Jesus, hundreds of years before Jesus. Then, in verse 27, talks about this desolation where this Antichrist goes ahead and he sets up an image, okay, of himself. We know in history, it's, it, 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 it's, it's factually in A.D. 7, okay, uh, Rome came into Jerusalem and absolutely wiped out the temple, destroyed it, and set up, and by the way, set up an object, okay, of desecration, okay? Now it's, it's going to happen again, okay? So here it is. We now have six, we have, here, this is really interesting, we now have 69 of the 70 weeks, and we have one that is missing. That missing week in history is called the tribulation, okay? And that, that, that last week, which is marked by years, uh, will be a peace deal where the Antichrist makes a peace deal with Israel. And he's going to broker a peace deal. And, and Israel, because it's so surrounded and it's dealt with so much wars and destruction, all they want is peace. We're watching that happen right now before us in history. I mean, this little itty-bitty nation, the size, I think it is, of New Jersey, I mean, is hated by most of the world. Europe uh, and Muslim nations, they would just as soon destroy it. But God has called us uh, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for our brothers and sisters, okay, for them, that they would come and meet the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. Here it is. And, 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 the, and, and this Antichrist is going to broker a, a peace deal, but then he's going to break it later on, three and a half years into this deal. But I want to take you through a summary of the passage, okay? Here it is. Seventy sevens, okay, equals 490 years of prophecy. Okay, you can go ahead and write that down. 483 years of the 490 years have been fulfilled. Now, 
when you look at it in detail, and many scholars believe that he saw, what he saw, he saw Alexander the Great. Okay, it talks about different kingdoms and different rulers that were, that were being raised up. Uh, I feel like he saw Alexander the Great. He saw the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, rise up during this time. Then, 49 years to rebuild the temple, okay? It took 49 years to do that, and he prophesied about that. And then, <clears throat> 434 years later, okay, he talks about that, that Jesus gave his life there on the cross, 62 weeks. To the date, it was decreed that he gave his life on the cross, which means there was a summary, which comes down to the very last week. There's seven years of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. So there's one more week, okay? And this should be the... We're not going to look so much at the past history. We're going to look at the future history, what you and I should be very interested in. In fact, Jesus was interested in it. Jesus gave explanation behind it. Daniel, Paul, Peter, John, Jesus' closest friend, all talked about this period, this week in history. And, And it's found especially in the book of Revelation. And it's centered on the last seven years called the Great Tribulation. So what I'm going to do here this morning, as we're looking at some eschatology, we're looking at a study of the end times, I'm going to take you through uh, the book of Revelation, just a real quick summary uh, uh, review of what basically 10 events in the book of Revelation. If you've ever read it, it's crazy. It's wild. Some of you read it, you kind of shake your head. I don't understand. What's that about? What I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of just take you through that week, okay? We're going to summarize and make it simple, Okay. Ten events. And so you got a space right there in your notes. You can write these down if you would like to, okay? Here it is. Number one, the church age found in Revelations chapter 2 and Revelations chapter 3. By the way, this is the age that you and I are in right now. Here, Jesus is giving messages and warnings and encouragement to the, to the seven churches, okay? In fact... I would probably love to just do a message, a series on these messages that Jesus is saying to the churches. He's wanting them to focus on certain things. He gives them warnings, okay? And uh, seven warnings why they're waiting for his returning, okay? Then the second one, which is kind of a little bit controversial in the church world, it's called the rapture. How many, ever, how many have never heard of the word rapture before, okay? This is discussed here in the Bible, here in Revelations chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4 and 5. Many, by the way, many scholars, and these are people who absolutely love God, I mean, and are committed to God and really believe that Christians uh, are going to go through the great tribulation, okay? Uh, I tend to believe that God's going to go ahead and and take the Christians, okay, before the tribulation, uh, and it, that we're not going to go through it. Now, I'm not going to bet my life on it, okay? Trust me, there's some really smart people, some great scholars who really feel like that, that, may, that's, that, that the church is going to be raptured up as it's described there in Thessalonians, that there's going to be a loud trumpet call. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and that those who will remain are going to be caught up with the Lord forever. So personally, I want to get on that plane first, Okay. I, I, I want to catch that train. I want to catch that flight. So I've, I've had, how many have had many dreams of flying before, man? I can't wait to. It, it, so if it happens, you know, tomorrow, man, that, that'd be awesome. So here it is. There, there's, and, there's, and, and I just want to say this. Uh, whether you believe that Jesus is going to come before the great tribulation or mid-tribulation or after the tribulation, it all works out. It all pans out. We, we don't have to worry about it. So this is that's one of the reasons why I'm preaching on it. Just in case he doesn't come before the tribulation, we're ready for it, okay? We're, we're ready for it. Uh, but what I, what I really find interesting uh, when you look at in, in, in chapter 2, in chapter three, 3, he's talking church, 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 church. And then he stops talking about it. The church isn't mentioned anymore. And, and scholars believe the, the reason why the church is not talked about anymore because the church isn't there anymore. Been taken, so I, you know, that's how it may play out. And, and if it happens that way, that, that, that will be awesome. Okay, now let's go to the third event. 
It's the rise of the Antichrist, Revelations chapter 6. And that will go through chapter 19. This is what Daniel saw. The Antichrist brokers a peace deal with Israel. He will look like the man. He will look like man. Uh, he, he will be powerful. He will be uh, uh, charismatic, uh, smart. I mean, in, in the nation, uh, it, it, there's going to be so much turmoil going on, and this guy's going to seem like he really has it together. He will deceive. He will lure. He will be extremely dangerous during this period of time. And then four, the other event, the revelation, the tribulation, Revelations chapter 6 through 19. Okay, now, by the way, the tribulation, if you're around and the treaty is signed, okay, the rapture didn't happen, or you missed the rapture, it's one of the two, okay? Now, here's what we do know. This is, this is fact. There are, I mean, they're, they're already done. The plans have already been drawn up. I mean, uh, there, are, there are Jews that love God and are longing for the temple to be rebuilt again and for sacrifices. And folks, it, 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 it looks like it, it's going to happen. Now, once that treaty is signed, many scholars believe that the last of the seven sevens, that's when it begins, which Daniel talks about. It's the missing seven years. And almost all of Revelation 6 and 19 is talking about those seven years. And by the way, the tribulation, it's going to be rough. In fact, it's going to be, it's going to be unlike any time in the history of man. For those who are, who are, are present during the tribulation, it's going to be rough. I mean, it, it's talked about in great detail. And, uh, you know, personally, I mean, I, I'm not into pain, you know, or whatever. I, I, I'm just not one of those. But if I have to go through it, we do go through it. I know the Lord will give us strength if we remain true to him, just in case. Okay, but it's going to be very difficult. And God will be judging the earth with great severity and wrath. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm more pre-trib. I mean, God is pounding judgment. It's severe. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, and, and I... I I just don't see God. I know that we're persecuted. People will lose. I mean, it's been happening, but it's another thing to, to be pounded by the Lord. I mean, and I don't see God judging his, his sons and his daughters, but I don't know it at all. So I, I leave room to be possibly wrong on that one, and I could be. Let's look at number five, the second coming of Christ, Revelations chapter nine. By the way, during the tribulation, will anybody get saved? Will people come to know the Lord? Oh, yeah. We know that Israel, okay? Uh, many Jews are going to be grafted back, okay? Going to be grafted into the church. There's going to be people that are going to be saved. And then, and then we have the second coming of Christ. And it's like he's right there at the right hand of the Father. And it's like Jesus is wanting to be with his bride. And uh, I, I want to go. And it's like Father's, uh, no, he's holding them back. No, you know, there's another one to get saved. Hold on, okay? And then he just unleashes Jesus, okay? And, and which goes into number six, the marriage supper of the Lamb found in Revelation 19, okay? This is gonna, there's not going to be no cherub around, okay? No wings, okay? People floating around in, in, in the clouds, no choir, but it's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a great time, a great feast. And then number seven, Okay, it's called the millennium. It's a thousand years where Jesus will, will reign on earth, King Jesus. And, and he will be the earthly king and there will be no sin. It's going to be a great time in history. And then number eight, the, which is called the last rebellion. They're in Revelations chapter 20. And this is one, I, I confess, I don't understand this one. It doesn't make sense to me. But after, after the millennium, Satan, uh, who had been confined, okay, will be let out for a short time to test the earth inhabitants, okay? And scholars believe that those born during the time of the thousand-year millennium will have a chance to choose Jesus or to reject him. And then number nine, this is where I don't want to see anybody here in this room or myself in this place. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment, those who have not embraced Jesus as their Savior and Lord will be judged and sent away 
to the lake of fire. And then number 10, the new heavens and the new earth. They're in Revelations chapter 21 and 22. It will be like the Garden of Eden, the lion and the lamb dwelling together in peace. This is how it's basically, this is kind of an overview of eschatology, the end times, how it's going to kind of play out. And God wants, and by the way, just in case some of you are a little bit scared, God doesn't, doesn't bring prophecy to us and all that so that he wants to scare the H out of people, okay? He's not doing that. God's, God's doing it. He's warning us, and you're going to see here in a little while, he wants to warn us uh, so that we're not lazy, we're not apathetic, we don't lose our love for him, but he wants us to be on our toes, and he wants you and I to know that we're with him, man. We're on the winning side, okay? And that no matter what goes on, if we hang in, we're going to be okay. So this is how it all plays out, and uh, I've reduced Daniel and Revelation, okay, just to a couple things here. And the question is, how do you and I live during dark days, perilous times, times of being threatened? Go with me to Daniel chapter 12. We're going to kind of quickly go ahead and wrap this up. Daniel chapter 12, if you have your Bible right there, verse 1. At that time, Michael, he's an archangel, powerful, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. And there will be... Listen to this, guys. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, it's the Lamb's book of life, by the way, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, and some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, the words of the scroll until the end of the, until the time of the end. And many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Daniel, right here, I want you to just, a couple notes right in here. Daniel here sees a book there in heaven. It's described there in the book of Revelation as Lamb's book of life. In that book are going to be the names of people. The, the names that are there are going to be with God forever in heaven. Okay? These are people whose names are registered. The question is, how did they get their names into the book? Okay? And the way that you get your name into the book is you've got to be born again of the Spirit. So my question to all of you here in this room is, are you registered in heaven right now? Okay, are you ready? Okay, if, if the book is opened up, is your name going to be found there? Okay, and then, uh, and then it talks here in verse 2, the great right throne judgment. Okay, some are going to ride to, to uh, everlasting contempt and shame. And then verse 3, I want you to see, this is probably one of the most important things. I'm going to build my end right here. This is the practical side of Daniel. Okay, he says to the wise, those who are wise... Okay, will shine like the brightness of the heavens. God is making an appeal to you and I. He says, I need a generation who will live out my word. How will they live out my word? They will shine brightly in the darkness. One of the marks that we know that we're that God's is in our lives is that we shine in the midst of darkness and moral depravity. There's something different about our lives. We're, we'll be like the stars when people see us eventually. They say, oh, that's how you get to know God. They can go ahead and direct me towards God's ways. And the question is, are you shining? Are you leading the lost into righteousness? And then he goes on to say a curious but fascinating verse, the end of verse 4. He says, many will, from the NLT says this, many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase, okay? The end times will be marked by travel and knowledge. Two things that are unique to our generation. Listen to these, knowledge, okay, and travel. 150 years ago, okay, if you were traveling either by horseback, on foot, camel, okay, basically a day's journey would, last, would be about 20 to 30 miles max, you look at the demographics here in America towns, they're, they're separated by a distance of 20 to 30 miles, okay, in the beginning, okay? Now, check this out. 
Why is that? Okay, because that's as far as you can go, and that's where you got rest. Today, I can leave Tampa Airport and be in Beijing, China, 7,645 miles away in 15 hours. Okay, it's talking about it right here. I mean, that, that there, there's going to be a time at the end that be going to and fro. Then it talks about knowledge, how it's going to be rapidly increasing. Scientists say that knowledge didn't even double for the first time until approximately 200 years ago. But then 200 years ago, it doubled again in 50 years. Then it doubled again in 30 years later. Today, knowledge is doubling at a dizzying speed of every 18 to 24 months, probably thanks to the computer. So these are some clues, okay, that we really may be at the end of the end. And the question is, what, what does that end time generation look like and how do they live? I want you to see this in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, I want to take you through just a couple real quick points. Go with me to verse 8 right here. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will be the outcome of all this? And he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed up until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. And thus, the end of the book of Daniel. But Daniel says right here, he says, many will be purified and may spotless. I want you to underline that word, many. I want you to see what's happening in history right now. From the time when Jesus Christ, okay, Dying on the cross. This is what I heard just recently, okay? From the time of Christ, okay, to kind of, from 2003 to 2013, there's more people that have come to Christ between the year 2003 and 2013 than any time in history. The Bible says there will be, there will be an explosion. There will be a harvest. There are so many people that are coming to Christ. Is it happening in America? In certain spots, but in the nations right now, uh, and, and where persecution is breaking out right now, in the midst of persecution, for every person that dies, five more are coming to follow and love Jesus or whatever. So it's happening. So there's, there's a great, a great uh, harvest that's happening right now. And so here's what, here's what we're, we're told to do. We're told to be wise, and I want to talk about that here right now. Go with me. For three things, I want you to fill in the blanks. This will take me just a few moments. Three things to do to be wise. God's looking for wisdom. Number one, study for yourself. Study for yourself what's going on when it comes to the end times, eschatology. I got Matthew chapter 25 that's wrong. There is no Matthew chapter 29. Okay, go to Matthew chapter 24, study the end times. Here's another one. Write down First and Second Thessalonians, but specifically First Thessalonians chapter 4 and First Thessalonians chapter 5. 2 Peter chapter 3, as well as the book of Revelation. But I want to read to you, okay, out of something, out of what Peter the Apostle said about the end times. And I want to just kind of break this down just for a few moments, and then we're going to go ahead and pray. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How many here have ever had something stolen from them? Raise your hand. How many have ever, uh, at, at home, you're something in your, you, you ever been something taken from your home, okay? You walked and it was gone. Anybody, I mean, anybody remember that? Is that a sick feeling? Okay. It, but Jesus says, the day of the Lord, when I come back, it's going to be like a thief. Did we know when the thief was coming? No. He says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Peter asked a great question. He said, you and I ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire 
and the elements will melt in the heat. I want to take three things right there from, from 2 Peter. Here it is. Write it down. Follow God and not culture. There will be many things in our culture that is good. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But there are many things that are happening right now in our culture that is ungodly. Culture changes. God doesn't. When culture changes, when it gets more dark, God has not called us to blend in with it, but God's called us to be change makers. If you change with culture, you're not wise but foolish. I want you to see this word here on the screen. Let, let the word be your standard for living in that culture. This is, this is probably, probably the biggest thing that I pray for you and I that we would live our lives, not how culture defines it and tells us how to do it, but we live our lives, okay, our marriages, our relationships with our family, our finances, how we treat our bodies, uh, work, all of that. We live it according to God's word. Second <clears throat> Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness. <coughs> so all scripture, it will help you out. It's useful. Then Paul puts it this way. First Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of peace set you apart for himself. May every part of you be set apart for God. May your spirit and your soul and your body be, be kept complete. May you be without blame when our Lord Jesus comes again. So God wants every part of our life, every, everything about our life to be reflective of his word. Next, be ready for Christ's return. Jesus said these words in Matthew 24, 42, which coincides with Peter. I come like a thief in the night. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. <clears throat> Here's the tendency. There are people that are in church who believe in God, believe in Jesus Christ, have no problem with the word, no problem with the teachings of the Bible, but they're living their life foolishly, playing with their life like Russian roulettes, and basically say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, sow my wild oats, go ahead, and do, when I get tired of whatever, then I'll go ahead, and I'm gonna, I'll give my life to Jesus. Okay, but here's two things that we know about. We have no guarantee tomorrow. Would everybody agree with that? Okay. And we don't know when Jesus is coming back again. So uh, I, would, I would encourage everyone here in this room, be ready for Christ's return. Are you ready? Okay, which is the next thing, okay? Number four, make the most of this life. Oh, man. Man, I so... You got, for those, Pastor Audio was, was here in the first service. I so bombed this last point. Oh, my gosh. Saw the humanness, man, of who I am. But I, I, I'm, I'm trying to find this point out of Daniel chapter 12, and it wasn't in Daniel chapter 12. It's in here in Peter chapter 3. And it, here's, what, here's the point, okay? Make the most of this life. Are you making the most of this life? And here's how you can make the most of this life. Write down this word. It's called souls. Look at here in verse 12, what he says here, what Peter says right here. I want you to see this, okay? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. How do you speed God's coming? It's by sharing your faith. My question is, okay, the Bible says the marks that you and I that will have, if we're filled with God, if his spirit's in us, if if Christ dwells in his heart, okay, he is the light, okay? The Bible says Jesus is the light. That light will be emanating out of us. It will be shining forth. And I hope it's in your heart that, that you're li not living your life just about yourself and what you can get and what you can do, that you're thinking it's in your mind, it's in your prayers, it's in your thought. God, I want to take as many people with me to heaven as possible, can I tell you, I have absolutely no sphere of influence into the place where you work, where you go to school, where you live. God has you at that place so that you can shine. You can be his voice. You can be his hands. You can be his feet. And to make your life count, God's calling you to shine. God's calling you to lead people into everlasting righteousness. And can I tell you, that's the funnest place to be. 
Some of you, I, 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 I would say probably the majority of you here in this room have never, and I don't say this to shame you, have never led someone to Jesus. Can I just tell you how fun that is? Can I just tell you how awesome it is? And, and I could just say, if, if you'll just to simply pray, God, would you fill me with your spirit today? Lord, would you use me to tell people about you, Lord? Can I just love on people enough, Lord, to when they hear me and they see me, Lord, they'll want what I have. Can I tell you, when you begin to pray that way, I promise you, and I don't think probably a majority of you pray that way. I think most of you are just praying that you just can make it, you know. But I, I want you to get to be, be praying to thinking more of about other people, that people don't know the Lord, say, God, would you use me? And I promise you, God will use you uh, like you've never been used before. And you always say, Pastor Mike, you're, you're a pastor, you're an evangelist. I understand that. But I just know God has people. He, he's setting people, he's setting you up so that you can be used by him to be a part of the greatest miracle, seeing people born again into his kingdom. Amen?